Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm beginning a brand new series today on the testimony of Jesus. This term is used four times in the Bible, and they're all in the book of Revelation. And so I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter one. We're going to be talking today about how our life testifies of Jesus. Your life is a testimony of Jesus Christ. So John in Revelation chapter 1 verse 2 says, uh, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. John saw some things. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus in chapter 1 as the resurrected Savior of the world. He saw Jesus in chapter 2 and chapter 3 as the resurrected Lord of the church. And he saw Jesus in chapter 4 through chapter 22 as the King who is coming. Praise God. And so he bare record of the Word of God, of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. Then in verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Did you ever have any trouble? Some people think just because you get saved and believe the good word of God, you won't have any trouble. Well, did you know? <laughs> John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be some trouble just because you're in the world. Now, you don't have to stay under it. He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Praise God. So you're in Christ, right? You have a relationship with God in Christ, and you can overcome the world through him. So he says, I was uh, your companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus and was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. They thought, you know, this guy is so much trouble. We're going to banish him to this island where we just put prisoners, and nobody's going to ever hear from him again. And guess what? Nearly everybody, Jesus, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He went to church on Sunday, him and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And you know what? When he got in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, Jesus came and appeared to him, and almost everybody in the world has heard the revelation. And it's not the revelation of doom, gloom, and damnation. It's the revelation of Jesus. And so he says, I was there, right, in Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, you know, he had a little persecution for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I, I, I have something I tell you. You know, the Bible says that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you've never suffered any persecution, just turn up the godly a little bit. I guarantee it works. Now, now don't be discouraged if somebody persecutes you. Jesus said, rejoice when they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, for so they did to the prophets. And we've had that happen here. Camp meeting last year, we had Lauren Bober. I tell you, that girl is full of God. She is full of the Holy Ghost. 
And she made a little joke and everybody here laughed. Man, we had a million negative views by Sunday morning. She said it on Saturday. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus is advertising for us again. He's helping us some more. Hallelujah. And, and you know, uh, Sister Trina Hankins, she's brother and sister Beerman's daughter. They were great pastors. They raised up two churches here in the state of Colorado. They've traveled all over the world and shared the gospel. She said, I was rejoicing and glorifying God and praising God, you know. And she said, you're just like my dad. When people would say all mean things about my dad, that's what he would do. He'd start rejoicing and praising God and glorifying God. You know, the Bible says, beware when, anybody, when everybody speaks well of you. And so... Listen, just keep living for Jesus. Keep loving Jesus. Amen. And when they talk negatively about you for his name's sake, rejoice. <laughs> That's what the Bible says to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Look at this. Revelation 12, verse 17, the very last verse of Revelation 12. It says, and the dragon, who is the dragon? It's the devil. The dragon was angry with the woman. Now, the woman, prophetically, different Bible scholars have different opinions about this. Most people believe that the woman is either the church or Israel, one of the two. I think it's probably one of the two, okay? He was angry, and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. How many of you know there is a spiritual battle? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I've read Ephesians 6, verse 12, in at least 20 translations. And every one of them, I've studied it in the Greek. Every one of them says there's a spiritual battle. So I don't care what you think about it. That's what the Bible says. It says there's a spiritual battle. Now, the good news is Satan is a de defeated foe, and Jesus has already won that battle. So you put your faith in Jesus. Do you know the goal of Christianity is not to overcome sin and Satan? The goal of Christianity is a relationship with God, and through faith in Jesus, he has already made you an overcomer. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, even our faith. Some people trying to fight a battle that's already been won. You put your faith in Jesus, and you're made a world overcomer. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. So we're to tell people who they are and what they have in Christ, and that helps them overcome these challenges and these difficulties that we face on earth. But I really wanted to get to Revelation 19 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10 says this. It says, and he says unto me. Now, there was an angel that was bringing this message. Right, blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of you are looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb, that great time of fellowship that we will have with all believers? And he says to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see that you do not do it. Don't worship me. 
We don't worship angels. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. Hallelujah. This is where I wanted to get. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What is prophecy about? Prophecy is about Jesus. And it's telling the world that Jesus is alive. It's telling the world that Jesus is Lord. It's telling the world that Jesus is coming again. And did you know what? Your life testifies to the world of Jesus. Praise God. You need to, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our life testifies of Jesus and we need to keep letting our light shine. We need to keep letting our light testify to the world that Jesus is alive and that he is Lord. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talked about prophecy. And, and really, he, he talked about what prophecy really focuses on. Notice this in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 through verse 12. He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. The Old Testament prophets were prophesying about our salvation. They were searching diligently. He says, who prophesied of the grace that should come to you. They were prophesying about Jesus. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them or on them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The Old Testament prophets prophesied of Christ's suffering and they prophesied of the glory that should follow. Right? In Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53, the man of sorrows, Christ on the cross. And then in Isaiah 54, he prophesied of the new covenant. That was about six or 700 years before Christ. David prophesied in Psalm 22, 23, and 24 of Christ suffering Jesus on the cross in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? Psalm 23, he prophesied that Jesus is Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Want. I don't have any lack in my life because the Lord is taking good care of me. You know, we faced a few challenges, a few difficulties at times, but I like to say this, the Lord is taking care of us in grand style. That even though people come against us, even though difficulties and problems come, sometimes the Lord, he just takes care of us. David said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy are following me. Mercy, goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And beside that, heaven sounded sweeter all the time. 
I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then he prophesies in Psalm 24. They're called progressive psalms. He talks about in Psalm chapter 24, the king of glory is coming. Who is the king of glory? Jesus is the king. He's the savior, the Lord, and the king. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? So he said, these prophets prophesy of the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported to you by those who have preached the gospel with the Holy Ghost. He said, we preach the gospel. Some people don't have much anointing. Say, what's wrong with Pastor Lawson? He's been drinking at the well. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's wrong with these boys? Hallelujah. Why are they so happy? Where have they been drinking? Well, Peter said, it's only nine in the morning. They are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which prophesied by the prophet Joel in the last days. God said he'll pour out of his spirit and they'll prophesy. They preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Glory to God. There was this denominational guy. He was in the denomination. His name was C.M. Ward. And he, he, he got to preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he said about the leadership in his denomination, he said, well, you know what? He said, they, they act like they're on a pill. They haven't given birth to nothing new for years and years and years. And so they called him in. They said the leadership of his denomination, and they said he was a great missionary in India. They said, CM, did you say this? He said, I don't remember. And so they, it was back in the days they had a cassette place. So, so this was at the head of the denomination, the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. So they played it back to him. And they said, what do you have to say about this? He said, it's amazing what a man will say when he's under the anointing. <laughs> So sometimes we say some things that maybe we shouldn't, but it's amazing what you'll say. Sometimes when you get under the unction of the Holy Ghost, when you get under the move of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. So they preached the gospel with the Holy Ghost that came down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look. Do you know the angels desire to look into what you've been given in Christ? He says, because of this, Gird up the horns of your mind and be sober. Now, and look for these things that will be given to you. So the prophets prophesy of the grace that's going to come to you. How should we live as those who have the testimony of Jesus? He says a few things about that right here, right? How should we live? First of all, let's go back to verse 3 and read this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
We've been born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We need to declare to the world that we have hope in Jesus. We are not like those who have no hope. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. He said that, that if we don't have this hope in Christ, the hope of the resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. Thank God for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank God for the hope of Jesus. We've been born into this living hope, the hope of the resurrection. He says we've been born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. I have an inheritance in Christ that man didn't give to me and man can't take it away. You know what? I have people take me out of their wills, but God, I'm in God's will. I'm in God's plan. And you know what? The Bible says anything that I give up on this earth for my relationship with him, God's going to give me back a hundredfold now in this life and eternal life in the world to come. I'll take that, Jesus. Thank you. He says you have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Those of you who are kept, he says in verse 5, by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When you study salvation, salvation is past, present, and future. You have been saved. Your spirit has been saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. You have been saved by grace through faith. That's spirit. That's past in. You are being saved in the realm of your soul. Jesus gave himself for us to deliver us from this present evil world. That's what Galatians 1 verse 4 says. So we have been saved. We are being saved. Right? And we trust that we will be saved when Jesus comes again. Jesus said, don't marvel that I tell you everybody in the grave is going to hear his voice. He talked about it in John 5, verse 25 to verse 29. And they're all going to be raised. Those who have done evil at the resurrection of damnation and those who have done good at the resurrection of the just. There are two future resurrections. They are separated by a thousand years according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through verse 6. There is the resurrection of the just when Jesus comes for his church and there's the resurrection of the unjust for those who have not believed on Jesus. He said everybody is in, in the grave is going to hear his voice. He says listen he, he says you're kept by the power of God through faith to salvation that's ready to be revealed. So my spirit has been saved. My soul is being saved. I trust my body's going to be saved when Jesus comes again. I'm going to get a glorified, immortal, eternal body. I'm going to get a new one. Sin's never messed it up or messed with it. Jesus got a glorified body. And guess what? When he comes again, all those who've believed on him, we're going to get a glorified body when he comes again. So he says, this salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time, you greatly rejoice. We rejoice in salvation. We rejoice in Jesus. How do we live in light that 
We're looking for Jesus to come. We have this testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophesied, the prophets prophesied of this grace that we've received. Number one, we have hope in Jesus. Number two, we rejoice in him. So now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through many trouble, different kind of problems and difficulties that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Whom having not seen, we have not physically seen Jesus. But we love him. How many of you love Jesus? You haven't physically seen him, but you love him. I love him. In whom you rejoice. You rejoice in him. I am rejoicing in Jesus with joy unspeakable. Even though we haven't seen him, we believe in him. We rejoice in him. He says we rejoice with joy unspeakable. This joy is so good, I can't even tell you all about it. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, right? Three aspects of salvation. My spirit has been saved. My soul is being saved. My body, I trust, is going to be saved when Jesus comes again. So he says, when we believe in him, we rejoice in him, we rejoice in him, and we receive. Believing, rejoicing, receiving. There's a little pattern there. Believing, when you're believing, you're rejoicing. If you're, if you're not rejoicing, then you're probably not believing. Believing, rejoicing, receiving. The end of your faith, even the sound, salvation of your soul. Now, let's jump on down to verse 13. How do we live, those of us who have the testimony of Jesus in light of what he's done. Look at what he says in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. What's it mean to be sober? You know where you're going and you know what you're doing. The Bible says we ought to have a sober mind. We ought to have a mind that's well corrected and instructed in the word of God. We ought to have a mind that's washed in the word. Amen. A sound mind, a clean mind, a pure mind a mind that's minded according to the word. I don't care what your best buddy says. I care what the word says. What's the word say about it? And hope to the end for the grace. See this? Again, this word grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus when Jesus is revealed to the world. There's going to be a day that Jesus is revealed. That's what Revelation's talking about. As obedience. So number one, you need to keep your hope. Don't let go of your hope. As a believer, we're not like those who have no hope. We have hope in Jesus. Let me read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through verse 18. You know, there are groups of people that do not believe in these scriptures. However, I believe in it. I believe it all. From Genesis to Revelation, I'm not trying to take anything out. I'm not trying to add anything to it. I just want to believe it all. My pastor preached a message years and years ago. I'll never forget it. 
He said, you believe in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should have everlasting life. He said, yeah, we believe in that. He says, but you don't believe. In 1 Peter 2, verse 24, by Jesus' stripes you were healed, and he ripped a page out of his Bible. <laughs> we have these people, they're selective about what they believe. said, you believe, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me all you who are labeled, labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden. Yeah, we believe that. But you don't believe in Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he ripped another page out of his Bible. Listen, he had the attention of everybody in that church, and I have never forgotten that message. Because there's so many people. Now, he told me later, he said, listen, I had this old Bible that was falling apart. I was ripping out the concordance. But, <laughs> but I've never forgotten it. It's amazing what a man will do when he's under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I've never forgot that message, praise God. And there are so many people like that. They selectively believe. But he's talking about Jesus coming, and he says, listen, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep or those who've died before us in Christ, that you do not sorrow like those who have no hope. Don't live like hopeless people. Don't live like the world. Don't think like the For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, you believe that? Even so, those also who've died before us in Christ, God will bring with them. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those who are asleep. There's going to be a resurrection. Jesus is going to come. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. How do we, we live in light of those who have the testimony of Jesus the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Our lives tell people that Jesus is coming again. Our lives tell people that Jesus is Lord, that he is alive. Our lives declare it. He says, listen, you gird up the mind and be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you when Jesus comes again. Keep your hope. Amen. The second thing he tells us, he says, as obedient children, look at verse 14 through verse 17. Do not fashion yourselves in the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't, don't live like you did before you got saved. You got sa Say, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm a child of God. Live like it. He says, don't live like in your former lusts in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of lifestyle, conversation. That word conversation is an old English word, and it means citizenship. In other words, citizens of certain countries behave in certain ways, right? They have different culture, right? Javier is from old Mexico. 
I'm sure that there's culture in Mexico is different than the culture in America. And there are some things that we might do in America that would be very offensive to people in Mexico. And there are some things that people in Mexico might do that would be very offensive to people in America. Like Javier says, for sure there's things that people do in Mexico that are offensive to people because they have a different culture. In fact, Dr. Shirley talked one time at one of our international nights. We have a lot of internationals in this church. We're excited about it. We love people from all over. We have my brother and my sister, Pastor Rick, I like to call him, and his wife from the Philippines. We love them, praise God. But I'm sure that the culture in the Philippines is different than the culture in America. But Dr. Shirley told me, uh, you know, a few years ago, he went to, to a trip to Africa. And, and when they picked him up to go to this place and teach, they said, well, Dr. Shirley, you're sure looking good. You look so nice and fat. <laughs> he said, in America, that would be a total insult because of our culture, right? But, but he said, you know what? That, they were paying me a compliment because they don't have a lot of food. And what they were saying is you got some fat on your bones. Those that trust in the Lord shall be made fat. You're doing good, you're doing well, glory to God. But like I say, we got a little bit of different culture. And you said, Pastor Lawson, you're sure looking fat today. It's like, better get something done about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got a little different, you, we got a different, you know what, you got the culture. Every one of you who are born again, you are at least a dual, you have a dual citizenship, right? You're a citizen of whatever country you are, and I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but I'm also a citizen of heaven on loan to the earth from God. And that's what that word, conversation, means. It means you, you, I'm a citizen of heaven. I've got the culture of heaven on the inside of me. And I'm living like a citizen of heaven. He says, I want you to live like a citizen of heaven. I want you to bring the culture of heaven to the earth. He says, live like it. He says, be holy in all manner of lifestyle, in all manner of citizenship, all manner of behavior, because it's written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect judges person according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear, in respect of your relationship with God. Listen, I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with God. I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with my wife. I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with my children. I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with my mentors in the gospel. I don't want to be a bad witness for them. I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with you as my church. I don't want to be, do anything that violates my relationship with those that I'm ministering to, that I'm raising up in the gospel. My spiritual sons and daughters, the ones I'm ministering to in Bible school and imparting to and helping them raise up great churches and great ministries. And last of all, I don't want to do anything that violates my relationship with the world because I want to keep being a witness and a testimony for Jesus. Respect your relationship with God and respect your relationship with people. 
So he says, listen, live like Jesus is coming. Live like Jesus is coming. Now he talks about this in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through verse 14. He says, knowing the time, it's high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I don't know the day or hour, but I know it's coming. And I know it's closer. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Light protects you. Respect who you are. Amen? Respect who God called you to be. Put on the armor of light. He says, let us walk honestly, not in chambering. That means getting in the bedchamber with somebody you're not married to. Not in chambering and, and, and wantonness. What's that mean, chambering and wantonness? Letting your flesh have anything it wants. Listen, I let my flesh have too much of what it wanted yesterday. So I stepped on the scale this morning. I was three pounds over. So I went and ran a 10K this morning before I came to church, and I'm only a half pound over now. Now, I'll remember that because I don't want to have to run a 10K every day. <laughs> don't you let your flesh have everything it wants. It'll get you in trouble. All right, so you take care of it. Keep your flesh, right? He says this, not in chambering and wantonness, not in rioting and drunkenness. What's right? Don't, don't be acting like a gang member. I tell you what, I know some people in the body of Christ, they act like they're part of a gang. <laughs> one of my friends said one time, listen, in the world, they'll beat you up and stab you in the back, you know? In the church, they'll beat you up, they'll stab you in the back, beat you up, run over you, and then they'll say, God told them to do it. <laughs> listen, don't act like the world, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in strife, not in, notice he puts... He puts strife and envying, right, with drunkenness, right, with chambering. You know what that means, adultery and fornication, right? He puts it right in there, not in strife and envying. He says, put on Jesus, put on Jesus, and do not make provision. This word in the Greek is the word pronia, and it means forethought, foresight, premeditated. Pre Listen, you don't go from red hot, on fire, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, to, to living in adultery. You don't go, right? And I understand that all sin is sin, but some sins have more consequences than other sins. That's Bible. There are some places I don't want to go. There are some things I don't want to do. Listen, I don't want the work, that working in my life. So if you're over there, repent. Walk out of it. Turn around. Amen? Live like Jesus is coming. Amen. He says, as it's written, be holy for I'm holy. Look at verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without respect of person judges every man's work, pass your time in, in relationship with God, in respect of that relationship, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed. You were not purchased. You were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain lifestyle received by the tradition from your fathers. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and verse 20. He says, you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
Not only is your spirit the property of God, your body is the property of God. So live like those who've been redeemed. Amen? Keep your hope in Jesus. Live like he's coming. Remember you've been redeemed. Remember who you are and whose you are. Who was foreordained. Look at this in verse 20. Before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in this last time for you. Who by him, by Jesus, believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. How do we live? How do we carry on the testimony of Jesus? Keep your hope. Live like Jesus is coming. Remember that you've been redeemed. Remember who you are and whose you are. Verse 22, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through this. You want a pure soul? You want a pure mind? Obey the truth. You don't obey the truth, it messes with your mind. Some people living in disobedience and thinking the wrong thoughts. Their mind's all messed up because they're making excuses for the way they're living. Purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned, pure, unspotted love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 14, put on charity, which is the bond of maturity, which is the bond of, put on the love of God. Amen. Finally, he says this in verse 23, walk in love. Amen. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. For all flesh is grass and all the glory of the man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Amen. So how do we live in light of his coming? First of all, we keep our hope. Second, we live like he's coming. Thirdly, we remember that we're redeemed. We remember who we are and who's we are. Fourthly, we walk in love. And fifthly, we let the word of God rule our life. Just let God's word rule your life. Amen? I'm telling you what I do if I'm going through a dry time, if I'm going through a difficult time, I force feed myself the word of God because I know that there is life in the word. And I know the word is my life. And I, I listen, I'll read five chapters, 10 chapters, 15 chapters, 20 chapters. I force feed my, I just keep the word going until something speaks to me. Oh, David, David said, I, Job said, I've esteemed your words more than my necessary food. David said, listen, your word, I put your word you know, above everything, by your word, I know more than my instructors. Thank God for the word of God. So let the word of God rule your life. What am I saying? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Your life testifies to the world that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is Lord, and that Jesus is coming. So just keep letting Jesus live big in you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com. 
or call us at 719-418-4000.